Hi. Welcome to Legally Brown. For a second there, I was like, shit, who's starting the intro? Welcome to Legally Brown. I'm... A little unorganized. We're here. I'm Harshi. I'm Reminder. And today we're going to have our first installment of what we like to call Brown People in Hollywood. Brown People in Hollywood. Yes, that's a, that is the and installment. <laughs> hopefully today will be a little bit lighter and f- more fun, but also serious because representation and movies and media and entertainment is an important issue that both me and Reminder care about a lot. Yeah, we do. And we wanted to, as we open up the series, first make sure we acknowledge where we started you know 20 30 years ago and how far we've come since then yeah because growing up in the 90s i remember not seeing very many people that look like me on the screen mm-hmm. and by the screen i mean hollywood screen because yeah my bb or my grandma played a lot of you know punjab hypnotics yeah. and dramas and soap operas so clearly brown people are on my screen but not the screen um, that we're talking yeah, about have the today. same lifestyle and environment as us and we're relatable i guess in my view exactly like seeing brown faces try and navigate the western world mm-hmm. and i do want to say that i'm i'm really happy to see how far we've come because now we can name quite a few people that have made it in the industry have 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 shown us that it's possible have yeah. been a beacon of hope i guess mm-hmm. so i do want to acknowledge that but i also want to say that i feel like when i was a kid i clung to i didn't know it at the time but i feel like i clung to anything that depicted a brown person trying to make it in the western Canadian or American really? or British world. I feel like I clung to that. I didn't, but that's interesting. Oh, you didn't? No. Well, um, like, and I, I, don't, I don't know why I didn't. I I don't know why I didn't. But I understand why somebody would. I think that I'm an, I'm an outlier in that. Mm. I'm just going to make that assumption. But like, because mm. I know more people that be like, oh, great. Right. Right? Like, I, I'm so happy to see someone that looks like me. But I can't remember ever having that thought but also i can't remember last week well i was gonna say i never had that thought i feel like now reflecting back okay i feel like i can see it in myself right yeah like i wonder if i liked arthur a lot because he was just like a brown cartoon oh my god love arthur yeah he's not indian walking down the street (laughs) he was he had brown skin you think about him every time you use your library card always (laughs) fuck i did i did dance Chit one, shout out if you're listening to this. Oh, my, I'm not even going to go. That was embarrassing. That was law school, too. Okay. I was going to talk about... Actually, I do remember one moment. Oh, because we were talking about... Um, what's his name? Lion. I can't help you. Dave Patel. Right? Definitely. We're not, not going to talk, not, not talk about Lion right now. <laughs> I won't put you through that. But the... Oh, no. Harshi likes the movie. Not in a negative yeah. way. I do, too. Um... Yeah, I remember watching Dave Patel in Newsroom. Okay. And I, I had mentioned that show to you, but I don't know who watched that. It wasn't like a super popular one, but loved the show. But I remember seeing him in that in that role, and that was not even 10 years ago. So I, that's a random memory I just yeah. had about saying, so, yeah. hey, that's so cool to see him not in like Slumdog Millionaire, like in, mm-hmm. in wherever, let's just say, New York office, 
or big talent office as like a news producer or director, whatever he was doing, right? I'll be vague, but but I do remember that, and I thought that that was very cool to see him not, you know, in like a comedic role or a stereotypical brown person role, which we obviously saw a lot of growing up. Yeah, and I feel like, well, first of all, we we will talk about Dev Patel more uh-huh. on maybe part two. But I first saw him on Skins, which is a pretty messed up teenage drama as British teenage drama. Um, so we will talk about that later. But We like him. To, to your point <clears throat> on Slumdog Millionaire, I actually think I remember that was a turning point um, where everyone was talking about that movie, mm-hmm. no matter what skin tone you had it yeah was like, we gotta watch this movie it's an amazing movie and i feel like that's the first um first movie in a while i can think of that everyone was watching and appreciating that's true and it starred primarily brown people yeah. um but even further back the first movie that i really remember that really resonated with me and has really stuck with me this whole time um, for I guess twenty years now. Crazy. Bend it like Beckham. Hashtag build. That's what I call it. Really? Do you know? No. B I L B. Bend it like. I think it's just my cousins and I. We have we literally talk in code okay. to the point where actually my cousin, like my sister, like her basically her husband, not basically Sandy or my sister. She probably listen to this and get mad. Correct myself. Her husband will listen to us speak. And now he just doesn't even ask because we just use weird acronyms like that and we know what language we're speaking. We did it, so uh, going on a tangent. Okay. We did it. Do it. <laughs> we did it because, it. you know, we spent a lot of time together growing up. All of us, that's why I call her my sister, my aunt's daughter. And at the dinner table, like, the family would be around us. Like, we're lucky to have, you know, family dinners often, we daily. And we didn't want our parents to know what we were saying, and so we made up a separate language. Mm. <laughs> and I wonder how successful it would be. It was very, we would have full-on conversations, four of us. Nice. Okay, so I'm done with my tangent. Okay. Um, but Bend It Like Beckham, fuck yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, so Bend It Like Beckham. <laughs> Honestly, I rewatched it recently, and it was incredible. So good, man. Okay, it came out. So, for those of you who don't know what Bend It Like Beckham is, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to give you a thorough recap at all. You need to go watch the movie. Watch it. And, you know, massive spoilers. So, just, you know, turn us <laughs> off and go watch it. Come and back. And then come back. But just so people remember what this movie was about, it was about just Winder, Jess. Jess. She is a sick Punjabi brown girl uh, growing up in um, England, mm-hmm. I believe close to South Hall, London, and she's trying to navigate life as a brown girl living in England at that time, and her number one passion is soccer. Mm-hmm. And in her pursuit of her passion, she encounters a lot of obstacles. Her parents are immigrants, uh, traditional, and they want her to focus on... Making her... alugobi. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Making alugobi on, you know, her studies, yeah. on finding uh, a man to marry, starting a family, etc. Not things like soccer. Yeah. 
And so she starts to play soccer secretly and meets some friends along the way and falls in love with a white boy. <laughs> An Irish boy, I should <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking about that scene in my head. That's why I've been laughing because I, I have like scenes just playing in my head. <laughs> yeah. And it all comes to a head when it's her sister's wedding and her final of her soccer tournament is that day and there's scouts coming mm-hmm. to watch her, maybe recruit her. And that's the climax of the movie. Yeah. But what I want to highlight about this movie for our series today is really make sure everyone knows that both me and Reminder appreciate um, how far Hollywood has come. Yeah. And one of the one of the first turning points for us in our in our lives was Ben Delight Beckham. The fact that they showed this movie was starring this person and they they actually showed her family, their values, their traditions as sick yeah. uh, British people. It was incredible. Looking yeah. back on it, I'm astounded it happened. I can't even believe it was twenty years ago, but yeah, like it yeah. And the way it accurately okay, that's a very subjective term but accurately depicted um a traditional Punjabi household I mean that many of us can relate to we know there's gonna be differences for for everyone involved and we'll we'll get into that later in the episode but yeah it was it was so accurate yeah so authentic authentic, so accurate very relatable and still relatable to this day and that was her her first kind of release in Hollywood and then I remember seeing her in ER um, ER, as well as, what's it called? Um, crap, I don't want to waste time thinking about this, but the, <laughs> the jail in San Francisco. Okay. Um, um, she was in that show, which was fucking amazing. And it's Parminder Nagra. Yeah, her. Is the main actress. So she's Punjabi. Yeah, yeah, and so that's, so one of the reasons why I feel like this movie was such a great depiction of a brown woman trying to navigate the modern world is because the director comes from a Punjabi household. Um, the actors are Punjabi. They clearly consulted people that mm-hmm. are Punjabi to make sure that the way they were depicting this movie was authentic. Yeah. Alcatraz. Um, sorry, that's the show. Okay. <laughs> you know me. I just can't. I have to tick the box. And... <laughs> They used music that was from Punjabi singers mm-hmm. and so things like that all matter mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that I want to emphasize so is true. how do you make a story now having a lead that is a person of color how do you make it authentic how do you make it resonate with your audience it's the little details mm-hmm. okay so like when um, her white coach comes to her house and looks up at the at the picture of Guru Nanak Dev Ji, yeah. it kills me because it's so accurate yeah. that that exact picture was in my household yeah. and in many of my friends' households. That's one of our main um, prophets, let's say. So many Punjabi people are Sikh. That's one of the, you know, that he's a founder of um, the Sikhi religion, let's say, Guru Nanak Dev Ji. And everybody, or a lot of Punjabi or Sikh households will have his picture up over their fireplace or in the hallway. And... Yeah, so it just says her, she's saying. So yeah, I'll explain who he it's, was. Yeah, it's like those little details yeah. matter. And like another detail is her mom saying, you need to learn how to make aloo gobi. Mm-hmm. And you need to make sure your rotis are um, 
circular. Yeah. It's like those exact things yeah. have been said to many of us. Alu gobi is um, potato and cauliflower. It's like a mixed vegetable curry dish. One of my favorites. But yeah, yeah so my you. main thing that I love about it, and uh, in general, as someone who's not in the film industry, but a, a viewer, what sticks with me is like those little details. Yeah. And the other thing that I, I love about Ben De like Beckham, other than the obvious thing, which is that like this person was playing soccer and I played soccer growing yeah. up. And so I fully thought I was just Winder. Yeah. You know? But you but, are. <laughs> but my my dad supported right. soccer and like yeah. came to all my games and like loved it. So yeah. that part was not <laughs> true, but I fully... Until just, the last scene. <laughs> but fully, I was just like... I'm her. Yeah. And I would put on, I would put on like Ben did like Beckham before soccer games sometimes to get me like pumped up. Like nice. the scene where she like beats all the guys in the park. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Sick oh moves. yeah. So sick. I use it to pump myself up. So, so sick. yeah. I really like it. But the main thing before I, I ask you Reminder, your thoughts on the movie generally, <laughs> but the main thing I love about it is that Jess is a very complex character She's someone that is trying to consistently balance her Western values and her, her Sikh Punjabi, like Indian values and try and navigate the world and make sure, you know, she stays true to herself. And like, that's a very real feeling yeah. that many of us have as first generation immigrants um, that I had, I'm sure you had. And it's just, it's having someone actually portray that accurately. Yeah it does wonders yeah. for, for people that are going through the same struggles. Mm -hmm. It totally. makes you feel seen, makes you feel like you're not alone, um, and it's more enjoyable. Like yeah. I found the movie more enjoyable because yeah. it, it was so authentic and accurate. Yeah. And because Jess, her struggle is played out, you get to see it, you see her care so much about her family, and you see her care so much about the things she wants like soccer and ha being a professional football player, etc. You see her struggle trying to figure out how to balance those two. And like, again, another detail that's like so, so wonderfully caught in this movie is um, that one scene where her coach is talking about how his dad is a bastard and awful. Mm -hmm. And he uses that word. And Jess goes, you shouldn't call your dad that. Class oh, such a classic, like, respect for your elders moment right. where you're just like no 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 don't but we learn right. that his dad really was awful to him yeah and there may be times where your parents aren't your best friends or good for you i've definitely said stuff about my parents very much regretted it after right but her initial reaction uh, yeah i mean generally like if someone yeah. were to say that to me and you know um yeah, but yeah, like that, that initial reaction yeah. of like, no, you like, don't talk about your yeah, parents. Like that's that not way. okay. That's like such a that's that again resonates with me yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, what about you? Um, all of that. I mean, I grew up as a dancer, had very supportive parents as well. They put me in dance when I was three, and were at every you know competition, drove me around, took me to practice like classes exams everything I danced for a very long time um and so I didn't have parents that were not supportive of it when they be see this is okay this all ties into a bigger story but you know we'll talk about this again later in their second half but I resonated with like the conflict she had because 
I don't know if I've talked about this before in the last podcast, but I grew up having a lot of conflict in like my mind and in my life. And I don't want to say my priorities, but just my personality. I mean, I grew up like I'm the oldest, just my brother and I, but I also grew up as the middle because I lived with my uncle guys. And so there's five of us, two older, myself, my brother and my younger cousin are the same age. Um, They're both the same age. And so I had a weird dynamic that way high expectations put on me as the oldest but also was treated as a middle child um in different ways I don't want to say by the parents and stuff but that just led me to have conflict but also led me to be very independent and so when it came to her having just like wanting to explore like life um whether that was through lying about it just wanting to go to HMV (laughs) or like, you know, wanting to go to a party or hang out with this guy or, you know, like those types of things. I very much was finding ways to escape my household as a teenager. Um, And anyone in my family will know that. And, and yeah, and so I, I very much related to those, the conflicts that she had and how it ties into, let's say, sports or like, you know, dancing is a sport. So how, how it ties, in, ties into sports was that whenever I would get, like, I was grounded a lot. But even though I was like a straight A student, like super smart, right? Not surprised. It, yeah. Um, I I was grounded a lot and just because I was just, there's always a conflict to something going on. And so in those moments, I would then not, be allowed to like go to dance or like go out or like there was a time where my parents took me out of dance altogether as a punishment for like I just did something like it was whatever right cool rational to them to do that for a longer period of time I don't think it's really um whatever that was their parenting um but you know I'd not like it did I no, I did not. No, that wouldn't have made sense. Like, not like I went to try to go dance or whatever, because I'd have to go like back to the team that they took me out of, and like, of course, the studio would have been aware. Um, and yeah, and so that that was very mm. relatable for me in terms mm-hmm. of the way she wanted to express herself, but was held back due to her grades or like, oh, if you don't have straight A's, like you can't go to soccer type of thing, right? I didn't really have that, but. Yeah, the, the conflict, the... Oh, another one was, like, she's so different from her sister. Mm-hmm. And growing up, like, her sister... So, for those that don't know, like, just been there as we can... We're already explained that, like, the tomboy really was into sports, was smart, but, like, you know, not the typical, traditional Punjabi girl, like, what you would stereotypically see as someone that wants to stay at home or, you know, listen to her parents. It's, that's just such a big topic altogether, but let's just say stereotypical what you would see a Punjabi girl doing and being, and that's not even the truth, right? Wait, you're saying she wasn't. She was not, Yeah. right? Okay, but yeah. her sister, let's say, was more like, oh, yeah, we're going to get her married. She wants to do this wedding. Mm-hmm. She listens to the parents, even though we see what she was, you know, like she was also going behind their back with this guy, when, you know, after they broke up. Just like random, it, there's so much to it. But they saw the sister as somebody that was like, not I want to say more submissive, but like listened and like was going along the path that they wanted to, like wanted to dress up and superficially, Indian, superficially, like because she was lying to her parents. Mm-hmm. But you're right that she was more feminine. 
Yeah, and so that's what they would want yeah. from their. their yeah. It's like I can't even explain what a what a Punjabi girl is. Like I don't. But in terms of the movie, it's like their the mom was like happy, like oh she I can dress her up and I can do this and she wants to get married and this is you know mm-hmm. all of that. And so there were a lot of times growing up where I was just not in terms of femininity or not or whatever they would say, um, but where I was compared to people that were more just agreeable to like what their parents wanted them to do. Mm. and I was just never like that like I was always the rebel black sheep and that's different now because to them I'm successful right mm. but like it, it's funny because it's shifted now a lot but like I've always remained to be the same person mm-hmm. right um, but but yeah so okay. I don't know I, I really like that movie and I should watch it again yeah you well yes I mean I I, I, I watched, watched like a hundred times I mean again as in like in 2021 I probably watched it last yeah, year I do think you should and I I've always pleasantly surprised because I put it on and I was surprised it held up but I do want to mm. uh, mention two things that popped up that were problematic one was Jess's uh, best friend, Jules, played by Kira Knightley. Mm-hmm. Her mom thinks that Jules is a lesbian throughout most of the movie. And the thing that appeared problematic at the end was that her mom was clearly very happy to learn that Jules was not a lesbian. Right, yes. And so ideally, in this was made in 2021 you would not have that kind of reaction from your parent in in the movie. You'd maybe have them be more understanding, be more accepting, um, show like a, I mean, show more of what Jules's dad was doing, which was he seemed to be way more accepting, even if Jules was a lesbian. It seemed like he was like fine either way. But then that's also a realistic response from a parent these days. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's a realistic response, but I don't know if it's something that needs to be like depicted in movies all the time. Mm-hmm. Because already people that are LGBTQ plus are facing like a lot of hurdles trying to come out. Yeah. So I don't know if in 2021 we need that. Yeah. Um, no, you but that may it. be a discussion for another day. Mm-hmm. But that was one thing that popped up as like right. maybe that wouldn't be something we show now. Right. Um, or we'd show a different perspective. Yeah. A perspective we don't get a lot. Yeah. The other one that was um, interesting to me was while Jess is playing soccer, um, someone, another person on the other team tackles her, calls her a racial slur. Right. Calls her packy. And then um, Jess shoves her back and then is thrown out of the game. And right. when Jess is explaining this to her coach, who at that time, they have a romantic slightly romantic relationship at that time uh complicated yeah (laughs) she's explaining this to him and his response is i understand jess i'm irish and i thought this was a really interesting exchange for 2002 because one the irish have dealt with so much prejudice by the british um, population but at the same time i feel like when someone tells you their story of yeah. um, enduring racism, the response to that isn't often, hey, I understand, like, here's my other story. 
it's usually an acceptance thing where you like accept that this happened to them is really bad. Well, it's kind of like really... a micro. It's like a microaggressive comment in a way. I've actually gotten that like recently. Well, just to finish my thought, no, I was going to say yeah. just to, just that you often don't want to compare, mm-hmm. right? And so that was something that stuck out to me too. Yeah, um, and that stu- that stood out to me in two thousand. Tell me what happened. Oh, okay. Well, tell me what happened to. Um, to you yeah yes yeah, so like i said that comment stood out to me in the movie back then i was like what the fuck or like every time i've watched it but i don't want to say too much about where this happened or whatever but i was explaining the farmer's protest to somebody um and as i've already said this on other podcasts the cultural competency thing and not understanding the you know and even on the, the last podcast about just racism and the differences between them and what we incur um but this white lawyer who is jewish told me that essentially tried to create um relation between like Jew like what racism let's say a Jew may face or an a Punjabi but what stood out to me is the fact that this guy's white right is he still like he still has said stuff to me that has been very privileged and that it's like I've just been uncomfortable because it's happened in person, and like I just haven't. I'm not gonna say too much more, um, but I'm not saying that Jews haven't incurred racism. Of course they have, but in terms of when you look at us, we are a visible minority that automatically suffer from you know whatever prejudice um, compared to white people that of course still you know incur racism in, in different ways or like if you're a Jew let's say and you're in you know you're in Germany or something you know you're still gonna have that sort of stuff but anyways it stood out to me um as when I was trying to explain what we're facing his response was that and I was like right like a, a direct it was, comparison. Yeah, a comparison oh yeah like yeah. well I can relate because x and I was like so this is really hard this is a hard thing because I was thinking about how in in the movie that person the coach is trying to make her feel better because he likes her loves her and is trying to relate with her and help her um in a positive way maybe it was done kind of in an unhelpful way Mm -hmm. his comment but i feel like there depending on the context there can be times where like sharing stories about prejudice you faced can be useful yeah and so i'm not trying sure. I, I won't say that this particular incident in the movie was like a bad thing mm-hmm. it just stuck out to me as like there are situations where this could have been bad depending yeah. on how the close context. you are with this person do you know this person what did they say what are they comparing all those things mm-hmm. yeah and it, it is and in your situation yeah. the person seemed to be like you didn't seem cl- you weren't close enough to this person for them to do that like i didn't mind it it was just more i felt a way to diminish what was happening in the farmers movement and what we're facing in in canada and so I, like don't complain so much because everyone well, goes through it to I a lesser f- degree okay yeah and and um i'll tell you off like Mike what happened last week but I was very just like it was just I just didn't feel comfortable continuing my conversation with him let's just say that because I was like uh, telling I'm telling you that we're being called terrorists and extremists on the news and in on headings 
and that's your response to me. Mm. And so anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's like, I don't know, maybe education and learning point for people. It's like if somebody is explaining to you how they feel, it's like, you know, when you're from a different racialized background or face different discrimi- discrimination, it's like, you know, just like the empathy piece of letting them be heard rather than saying, well, this is how I can relate to you. Because sometimes it makes the other person close off. It And I also think it comes from often a good place. For because sure. you're like, oh, I feel for you. Yeah. But it, especially in the moment, like I'll bring it back to the movie again. Like she was heated. She just got kicked off. Like she's very upset. Yeah. She had this racial slur. Like, she was reprimanded, not the girl that gave the racial slur. Yes, she was kicked out. Mm-hmm. Just Minder was kicked out of the game. Mm-hmm. Not the person that um, called her this racial yeah. slur. So, like, she's she's very heated in that moment and emotional. And I feel like in those moments, the best response is definitely not to just say, hey, you know, like, get over it because I also went through something similar. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. That yeah. kind of, like, hit I me as, like, like that. Yeah, I don't know if I would have responded too well. No, I would not have. Um, but this is a good segue mm-hmm. into the next part of what we're going to talk about, which is, yeah. so essentially Bend It Like Beckham was, for me, something that sticks out um, from my childhood as like a great example of how to depict a person of color, especially someone that's brown, trying to navigate the Western world. And I personally thought on most fronts, it did a really good job. Yeah. And paid attention to detail, for showed sure. this complex character and her story. Now, let's just fast forward, and I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this. Let's fast forward <laughs> to 2020, and yes. the new show, Never Have I Ever, mm-hmm. produced uh, by produced and created by Mindy Kaling. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix, and... Season two is coming. Do you know when it's coming? <laughs> no. Okay, well... I'm sure it's this year. If you haven't, if you don't know this um, show... Just go to Netflix. It's the only show with a brown lead. Yeah. <laughs> Young brown girl has a lead, so you'll find it. And search Never Have I Ever. <laughs> I, I want to start by saying a few things. Number one, I have a lot of respect for Mindy Kaling. I think she was an excellent writer on The Office. The Office is maybe one of my top five shows of all time. Love it. And her character, Kelly, is hilarious to me. (laughs) Exceptional. Um, I think Mindy's done a lot of good stuff in Hollywood. I think she's actually um, been a trailblazer in in many regards. So I do have a lot of respect for her. I also am was really stoked about the premise of the show, the idea of an Indian American young woman trying to navigate high school in LA or California, wherever she lives, um, in this modern world. Love it. Yeah. Love the concept. And is starring in a young Indian woman, which is great. When does that ever happen? Not often. <laughs> so I just want to say I love the idea and Although I was very, very critical of the show earlier, as Reminder knows, I've actually softened my views to it. But what I want to say, my main critique of this show and what I was disappointed by is something that Ben did like Beckham was able to do that I feel like this show kind of lacked. And I know Reminder's going to disagree with me, so here we go. But 
this this idea of developing a main character that is compelling and complicated and has to navigate this world trying to balance many different interests in her life i feel like that part for me was lacking and i feel like the main character was unnecessarily reductive i just feel like she her goal in high school turned into one singular purpose that didn't make sense to me and i didn't relate to which was to sleep with this hottest guy at school and i understand that perhaps the idea of wanting to be popular is something that a lot of high school kids have to deal with that we all had to deal with once upon a time and that's something that makes up a lot of teenage dramas mm-hmm. not against it i've consumed a lot of teenage drama so i will just admit that right now but i feel like this was a chance to show something greater than just the normal teenage story it was to show a story of an indian american girl and although they definitely showed like her family and um her hindu um relig- religious background they depicted all those things which i loved i feel like the character itself was lacking in many regards when she was at school it's like every time there was a scene about her thinking about her dad i liked her the most because it mm-hmm. showed a different side to her character but then at school it was just so one dimensional that i was feeling i was feeling like i was not seeing this person um in a 360 view I felt like i was just seeing one sliver of her personality mm-hmm. which is what i didn't see at vendor like back i'm like i feel like i saw all sides of that person so that's my number one critique is just I wish the opportunity to show this person as the complex character she could have been had been taken and I I realize there's a season 2 coming and I'm going to watch it and I hope more of that is shown. That's my number one critique is like I I'm not going to give the show 5 stars. I feel like it there's lots of like room for improvement. Yeah, I um I like the show, which are she knows. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Um we've had this discussion before. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat. I've um I found her relatable, like just for my experience. As I said, I dealt with a lot of conflict and parts of her conflict I really resonated with. And I knew people like that in high school. I don't want to say I was completely that person, but you know, there were situations. <laughs> you know and and guys and stuff it's not like that was my be all end all I didn't that was not right but i i felt like like she she was a relatable character for for people in high school and i i see what you mean by it was a multidimensional it was very like okay this is her objective um but i did find her her like I felt like she did show a good job of hey this is like me growing up as a modern person versus what would be expected in my household at times like I felt like there was a little bit of that conflict which was good like I think there's like scenes where she's like doing puja and stuff right like before school and all of that it's like oh like 
do I really feel that I'm Hindu or do I not? Is it just something I'm doing because culturally it's what I got to do? You know, what my mom tells me I got to do before school every day, right? And so those types of things I think a lot of uh, teenagers would relate to when you're going through some sort of, I don't want to say identity crisis, but seeing how and where you fit in. Um, which, you know, we go through those stages. So then I feel like I kind of went through that in high school. And then like when I graduated, I became so into religion <laughs> or like my Punjabi heritage. Cause like when I, um, when I graduated, I moved to Kelowna. I was going to UBC there for a couple of years. And like, I went to Gurdwara every day. And I still do Bhatt every day. Like it, you know, a lot of people know I'm like spiritual and religious, right? But, but yeah, so I don't know in those ways I really related to her, even if it came down to what she was wearing. Like there are times where, you know, like my mom and I would go shopping and like, my she'd be okay with me wearing or like buying a mini skirt but then like my dad saw me in a mini skirt and he was not happy about it I had to change um you know things like that because i i don't know i just like didn't really care and that was just my dad being like protective not you know um i feel like a lot of a lot of parents are that way with with their daughters um just the paternal instinct not saying it's good or bad or oh, whatever the mini, right the mini skirt is a huge no yeah it's never ever yeah been okay now like my parents don't like my dad doesn't they don't care right but like at that age you know your 13 year old daughter is like going to high school with like a mini skirt um not like it was super short or anything but you know things like that like i find really relatable um and yeah i mean i did i think she did a good job but as you're saying hopefully season two will show a little bit more i have my own problems with mindy keeling right now but it's all good <laughs> much respect for her and i love mindy project I, I like her. Just, well, just to <laughs> one more comment for me on this show was like, I do want to acknowledge that the showing someone doing puja before school, like that in and of itself is really great because that is a reality for so many Indian Americans or Canadians mm -hmm. or people living in the Western world. So like, actually, that's pretty, that's something that I didn't, acknowledge whenever I would talk to you about this show earlier so I do want to acknowledge that all those things are like actually incredible mm -hmm. like we we never had anything like that growing up yeah um but and we did do like on the way to on my um my mom would drop us off to school we would pray in the car right so that basic just like that one small detail um I liked all those details a lot I think and also I liked her friends I, I liked the people she mm -hmm. had um, surrounded herself with. And it was very hard for me to understand what was going on when she was just obsessed with this one guy. Like, it, all the th makings of a good show were there. And then it was just too centered on this guy that seemed like he had zero redeeming qualities. <laughs> other than he was just, like, really hot. He looked 25. <laughs> And I was just like confused. I couldn't relate the two, and those those things were not um, resonating with me. And that, I guess, is just like a critique of any kind of show, yeah. not just a show that stars a brown person. And I think it, yeah, I think it's just experience because like I knew people that were very much like that, and a show I've told you before, a show that I think did a really good job of showing different dem demographics and how they come together in privilege, etc. was the new Saved by the Bell. Really good. Highly recommend. Highly. 
so yeah um that's my those are kind of my two cents mm-hmm. on on and like Beckham never have I ever and as we develop this series we hope all of you our listeners will give us some suggestions about some prominent people mm-hmm. prominent shows prominent movies you want us to discuss if you want us to discuss particular parts about a movie let us know um definitely I will be mentioning Lion yeah. one day because <laughs> Man, <laughs> don't rip cry, my, don't rip cry heart, on podcast. Rip my heart out <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, good way. Um, oh, but yeah, so good. Fuck. To end things off, uh, remember. <laughs> That's me grinding. What's gears. really gr- <laughs> tell me what's grinding your gears today? Fucking Modi grinds my gears every day. For those of you that likely know by this this period of time whether through um our instagram story on lily brown or you already follow me i think we have a split split follower account um on our page on instagram but yeah so fucking i won't call him prime minister after self um modi is the current in quotes prime minister of india um this democracy m-o-c-k dictatorship is what it's turned into so the last couple of days they've passed and i have a whole post on this on my ig rumi hey if you want to read it i I really think it's vital for everybody to read this this is not an indian thing and i'll explain why um they pass these new regulations for fucking so annoying like how long does it actually take to make regulations and how long does it take to pass them in india clearly overnight right we saw that with the laws, but they're saying these have been talked about since 2018. They've now, they now have 15 days to implement them, which puts them at like March 7th-ish from that date, right? Um, and my belief, and I think it's rational <laughs> and objective enough, is that they want these rules in place because they're now seeing that the Western world is holding the government accountable. So now they want to create censorship around that. So what they're doing is they're saying that they anything anti-nationalistic, right? Their view, anything anti-nationalistic cannot be on social media. Mm-hmm. So anything, let's say in their eyes, anti-nationalistic would be holding the prime minister accountable for oppressing minorities. So oh, you can't post about that without getting a complaint, right? And so this complaint now goes through a governance committee who then assesses it has the opportunity to ask who the publisher is. This is my concern. Because I'm my stories are going all over India and being shared there, as well as the UK, Canada, Australia, whatever, right? The US. So it's the publisher of the content, right? So where did the content originate from, which is why it becomes a worldwide issue, not just an India issue. Um, but of course, more of an issue for the people that are creating the content there and so they can have the content taken down. They can affect your ratings, right? So a more wider lens for censorship. And this goes on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, Netflix, Amazon Prime. Like this is, you know, across everything where they can then ask for the creator's information, right? And, and Telegram and Signal is supposed to be encrypted. So you're not supposed, you're not even supposed to be able to get that information in the first place but now they're looking at ways to be able to get that through whatever um they clearly think that's legal 
And on top of that, so there's like three tiers of um, the complaint process. So the first one being self-governance through the intermediary. So what they look at as the social media platform. So Instagram hosts the accounts of millions of people. They're the intermediary for this content, not necessarily the publisher. So then they can take it down. If they don't take it down, then it can go to a separate committee that involves the courts, um, people in the entertainment industry, and like, you know, they're looking, seeing it's an impartial um, crew. But then my thing is like, okay, where's the impartiality of the court system? If they're sitting there in that room. Wait, who's on the committee? They can, oh, sorry, it could be from like the high court, like the Supreme Court of India, let's say. Mm-hmm. So let's say a court judge representative. Somebody that's from the entertainment industry as well as like the government. I don't remember exactly. Wait, so three different people from three, like one. Yeah, there's like a committee. One person from uh, the court. Yeah, but and it's like a judge. Two or three other people that are from a different industry. Yeah, and so they bring them together on a committee to then assess the the content, right? And so with that, they can have the the opportunity of getting the content deleted altogether, which becomes a complete issue when it comes to freedom of speech right especially when you're holding the prime minister accountable and yeah and so i have that concern when it comes to impartiality of the judicial system um working directly with the government on making these rules and regulations and taking content down we already know india chooses a flavor of the day even in the court system like we can see that even when it comes to assault they've said like you know assault on top of clothes or it's not assault if it's on top of clothing like stupid shit we've seen come out on the last couple of months and some justice as well but um it's a whole other topic but they're also saying um the anything so on on the face of it prima facie looks like this would be good any content related to nudity of anybody right they're saying that it's to protect women but if there's like let's say a picture or a post that relates to you know any sort of like like porn or like private exposure has to be taken down within 24 hours great but my concern is what about all these people that are now coming out about being sexually assaulted especially those that are in jail that have been jailed is that is that explicit content that's not allowed to go on twitter anymore well like if they show well like if what if they show their bruising the bruising then that will be taken down yeah or what if they say it right clearly india is using a very wide um like a heavy hand, right? It, and a wide net. And so it's like, where are they going to stop? And so it be- becomes problematic because we can already see it with like the toolkit thing that's, that originated in Canada. And Disha Ravi went into jail. For those of you that don't know, climate um, activist Disha Ravi was jailed in India um, for, they're saying that she was conspiring with Westerners and, you know, as a part of an extremist organization to take down the government. So she's like 21, 22 years old, was taken from her home, put on a plane, and then arrested and put into jail. And um, All she did was share this all, toolkit. Yeah, she edited a couple of lines of it. But, it, you know, it, the whole toolkit, the purpose of the toolkit is to hold the government the government accountable for oppressing minorities. And to, and to have a convenient location for resources, right? Yeah, for resources, for media, for everyone, you know, journalists to say, okay, this is like, you know how we can all band together to do this. So she was jailed for that. So you can see the direct link as to how something that's that was published in the West has affected someone in India. And now they're trying to affect those that are speaking out on the West by asking for who published the information. Right. And, and for those that still 
don't know, um, the farmers' protests got a lot of support in the last like month because people like Rihanna and Mina Harris and Greta and several other people in the Western world tweeted in mm-hmm. support of the farmers' protest. So. Yeah. What Raminder's describing is, I guess, India's response to that to try yeah. and prevent uh, more yeah. Um, momentum. Yeah, because they're saying they're going to say it's anti-nationalistic, right? And Raminder, where can everyone go to find out more about this? What's your yeah? My handle, handle is at Rimi Hay, so R A M I H A Y underscore. Um, I'm posting constantly about it, and I posted a little bit more about like the tears, like uh, um, what the the process is, and of of course all the you know the daily updates that are you know that are kind of going on, and and I mean it's a long fight. This is a um, this isn't even about just the farmers' protest in general. This is a whole worldwide movement that's happening over censorship and accountability of a lot of these dictators. Um, and corporate control and so you know for everybody to you know it's like important for everybody to get on board for their own safety and and knowledge of you know who's trying to control what information you're putting out there it's can't even like really be a conspiracy theory anymore because we just we saw that they made a whole regulation for it in India at least and this is their um, response to being um, quite literally held accountable I've always said it's not a conspiracy theory if it's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, I think that comes the end of this episode. I think so. And I guess we will see everyone shortly. Mm-hmm. Hope you enjoyed. Please leave us your comments, your questions, and yeah. we'll see you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Bye. Bye.